630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. The Oilers blew it tonight. And they didn't blow it just once, they blew it twice. The Oilers had a 2-0 lead. Then Philadelphia scored three goals in a minute 12. The Oilers did recover from that. They scored three straight goals of their own. And with 14 and a half minutes to go, they led 5-3. But the Flyers came back again. Michael Raffle gets the game winner with a minute 29 left. And the final tonight, a wild one, 6-5. Philadelphia knocking off Edmonton. The Flyers have won seven straight. The Oilers lose in regulation time for the first time in five games. They're 2-1-2 and in uh, the month of December, but they have gone three games without a win. Thanks for joining us tonight. It's 8.07, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Perandage Team Broadcast Center. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. And Rob, I mean, first of all, just an incredibly sloppy, turnover-filled game where at at some point I, I was wondering if both teams were trying as hard as they could to give it away. Uh, but in the end, Philly makes more plays and or the Oilers make more mistakes, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah, it, w- it wasn't pretty. It was exciting. Uh, this game started out you know, fairly defensive. 9-5 were the shots in the first period. Third period shots were 15-13. Uh, and it was just... It was more like a 1980s-style game where you just turn over, scoring opportunity, okay, scoring opportunity back the other way, and back and forth they went. Uh, There were some standouts offensively. I don't know if there was any standouts defensively, and there certainly wasn't any standouts in net as neither goaltender had their best tonight. Uh, This was a game that you have a two-goal lead on the road. You know there's going to be a push. And Philadelphia had that push, but you got to find a way to hang on, and to come out of it without even a point is is going to hurt. And this is one that the coaching staff are going to be incredibly frustrated on the flight to Minnesota tonight, because this is a game that you know Minnesota or sorry uh, Philadelphia made a number of big mistakes as well, and they there were times where they were as sloppy as the Oilers, yet they still found that way to to come back, and it, it it's a tough one, especially on the heels. Uh, of the loss the other night where the Oilers blew it late in the hockey game in Buffalo. So a frustrated group going to Minnesota right now. 6-5 Flyers win. You can give us a call 780-496-0063. We do turn on the Japanese Village goal light tonight even though the Oilers lost. So go to the Oilers page on 630ched.com print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Three locations downtown Southside and Northside. We activate it whenever the Oilers hit five. <coughs> on the scoreboard, uh, we'll get you post-game reaction from Philly as soon as we have it. Apparently, uh, just seeing some tweets there, uh, Bob referenced it, Connor McDavid saying that uh, there were some comments by Brandon Manning that the uh, incident last year perhaps uh, wasn't as accidental as it might have appeared to have been at the time. Well, I guess that was a debate, but McDavid defended Manning publicly, and uh, apparently Manning uh, 
got rid of any goodwill that he had tonight. And if you can read lips, you saw McDavid's reaction after scoring the second goal of the game. He looked directly at Manning and had some very uh, pointed and profane comments for him, which, as you know, Rob, uh, sometimes happens on the ice. It does. I'm not going to comment on anything until I hear exactly what was said. But watching the game, uh, Connor McDavid was certainly fired up every time he was on the ice with Manning and initiated contact and initiated uh, confrontation against Manning. So something must have been said or done for Connor to, because you don't usually see that out of him, and you saw it all night long. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Greg starting off tonight. Hi, Greg. Hey guys, how's it going? Doing all right. Two two goal leads and they lose the game. That's that's frustrating. Um, also, every time and not just this, not just this game with uh, Gustafson. Every time a shot goes on him I just like hold my breath you know it's like oh and you know it's I I don't really like him between the the pipes but that's not here or there and also it's I I found the last few games um the defensive laps lapses in front of the net and positionally are are they're they're starting to creep back into the Oilers game more often than not and I'm just wondering um what they can do to to kind of get rid of that because it's becoming more and more every game and it's what's costing them well, I mean, tonight it was obvious, and I, 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 it's not all every play. I mean, Oscar Kleffbaum had a really, really tough night tonight, and he's, he's struggled as of late. He looks like he's uh, lost his confidence a little bit, and with him, he, he's got to regain it. It's going to have to go through uh, coaching staff, showing him videos, talking to him, uh, trying to rediscover what he had last year before he was injured. The the coaching staff tonight is going to have a ton of video that they're going to be able to show the players, whether it be on the plane tonight, but most likely tomorrow in the morning instead of a pregame skate, they'll probably have a video session to show the players where they went off, where things went wrong. Um, I mean, the other was it 2-1 the last game? Or what was, what was the game? In Buffalo? Buffalo. Was uh, it? 4-3. 4-3. Uh, there was a number of ones in that one where the obviously the Oilers were miscommunication. Guys picking up the wrong guy in their own zone. Uh, cheating. Things like that. And sometimes when you have a little bit of success, you you start to get away from the things that made you successful. And I think that we've seen that here. I mean, Connor McDavid, the best in the world right now. Uh, one of the goals tonight, he was leaving the zone. His man turns around, goes in and scores a goal. So it, no player is immune to it right now. But it's something they certainly need to talk about and, and figure a way to get back to where they were successful when limiting the other team's chances. And that's the adjustment of the game that's needed for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. You can visit albertachiro.com. The final tonight, not a mistake if you're just joining us, 6-5 for the Philadelphia Flyers over the Edmonton Oilers. On three separate occasions, a team in this game scored three straight goals. Philly scored three in a row, then the Oilers scored three in a row, and then the Flyers scored three in a row, the last three of the game, to uh, win at 6-5. The winner with just a minute 29 to go. The shots were 33-31 for the Oilers. Special teams, the Oilers were two for four on the power play, plus they had a shorthanded goal. Not very often your special teams are that good and you lose. The Flyers were one for five on the power play. They also had another goal eight seconds after one of their power plays expired. All right, we have Steve on the line. Steve, thanks for calling. Read Rob. Hello. It's it's Jersey night tonight, guys. Jersey night. 11 years I've been watching hockey, and i got to tell you, I am not an analyst, man. I am a fan, and tonight was 
great. End to end, the puck was a peanut for both goaltenders. I mean, I don't know what else you can ask for other than obviously a victory. But I got to tell you, I I need some help getting a jersey. I'm not sure who to pick. I've, I've got it narrowed down to a few names, but I have a very unique idea. Okay. I thought I'd go Reed, Rob, Jack, and Bob. Six thirty, Chad rocks. <laughs> well, we'd be flattered if you, if you'd be fl- we'd be flattered if you did that. And you, if you pay by the letter, though, that will cost you a little more. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're going to get a lot of calls of uh, of uh, well ridiculous negativity, but I want you guys to overcome it. I think tonight's game, if you're an NHL fan, you know you. Uh, this is what we come back for. It was it was exciting. It was uh, it was controversial. It was everything that hockey should be. I just wanted to feed you that tonight, and uh, I hope you guys have a great one. Also, I wanted to shout out to Don Cherry. He was apparently right last year. Have a good night. All right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Steve. We appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Some of the uh, offensive standouts in this game, Dreisaitl had a goal and two assists. Claude Giroux had two goals and an assist. Uh, Jacob Voracek had a goal and three assists. They were uh, your three stars tonight. Giroux, one. Voracek, two. Dreisaitl, three. As picked by Bill Meltzer from HockeyBuzz.com. They put it there. It was more specific as Good opposed to just Philadelphia media. Uh, the fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out MAAuctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. We uh, almost all the time pick an oiler, I'm- win or lose. I'm going to go with Sekra. Oh, he was my choice, too. Yeah, goal and an assist, plus one. Led, I believe, everybody in the game, yes, with 26-42 of ice time, three shots, a hit. Uh, I I thought he was very good. I I think he's really come on. You know, as Clefbaum has struggled as of late, Sekra has gotten better, and he's become the go-to defenseman for, for the Edmonton Oilers. And going back to that last caller, had the Oilers won tonight, had they had last shot and it went in, we could be talking about how exciting a hockey game it was. And it was exciting. There was mistakes by both sides. And I'm sure the Philadelphia guys that do our job, Bill and John or whoever it is sitting in a little studio somewhere in Philly, are, are getting all these phone calls from fans excited about the great comeback and all the goals and all the excitement that happened in the game. And, and it was. It was an exciting hockey game. There were a lot of mistakes. And it sucks that you're on the losing side of it. But as far as entertainment value, that was a pretty entertaining hockey game. 6-5, Flyers take it. We have Terry on the line. Hi, Terry. Thanks for calling. Uh, Breed, I don't know how in the world I can uh, up that fellow there, Steve. I mean, uh, that's something <laughs> else. I will say this much. Or, or uh, you know, you got to be careful what you wish for because you're going to get it. We got the offense we've been craving, but... <coughs> We can pick it all to death. Now, the big question I have is, you know, you were talking about it, Rob, a little earlier about, you know, video and stuff tomorrow. There's no skating in the morning, obviously. So what mood are the coaches going to be in, and how are they going to approach us from a a constructive point of view, you know, to let these guys know that, you know, (laughs) this, this, this stuff happens. Uh, they'll be in a miserable mood. I, I know from experience being around coaches, when they when you lose, they're miserable no matter how well or how poorly you played. But from what I've seen with this coaching staff, they like to teach. Uh, they're, I believe, quite positive with the players. I believe they they it's not a they're not a group that's going to come in and stomp down on the players. I mean, there's some players right now that 
don't need to get stepped on anymore. They need to be no pumped kidding. up. Like Brian Nugent Hopkins, yep. he's he's not the player that we've seen in the past. That's right. And the one thing, even when Nuge wasn't offensive at times over the past, you could always count on him being one of the best defensive players, making the right decisions, making the right reads, being very conscious of who he was out against. And we haven't seen that in a little while here. And that just, to me, is the the lack of confidence in his offensive game bleeding into the rest of his game. And that's always a fear when you're an offensive hockey player. When, when you aren't going, you start to cheat to try and get going again because you feel you're not contributing enough. So right now the coaching staff is to try and find the player that Nugent Hopkins is and we've seen, the player that Oscar Clefbaum is and we've seen, and get them back on the right way because there's, there's, no, there's nothing that we can bring in that's going to make this team better that we have in the organization that's going to be able to supplant a Clefbaum or a Nugent Hopkins and all of a sudden, okay, we're fixed. We can rest those guys because we have guys that can do what they do. The others don't. They need those players playing at their best to be a competitive hockey club, and they have not been at their best for a while now. 6-5 Flyers. Uh, I mean, Clefbaum obviously beaten by Raffle to the net for the winning goal and... Uh the the tying goal with 74 49 left i mean twice the oilers are in a favorable situation to clear the puck ryan nugent hopkins one handed the puck i mean i think he could have taken another stride got the puck with two hands on his stick and probably simply carried it out of the zone and then the oilers actually initially survived that patrick maroon has it you know that we've talked about that that key puck battle right inside the blue line are you going to chip it out or are you going to give it away he didn't make a strong play, and then that time it winds up. I mean, there's two times, should have been cleared, usually would be cleared. The the odds were in the Oilers' favor of clearing it, and they let Philadelphia to keep the attacking on both. Well, when when you don't clear a puck that everyone think is going that's going out, and it comes back in, well, now you're in disarray because your whole mindset was okay. He's going here now. Either a I'm going to the bench to change, or me I'm going to take off to get into the quick four check, and all of a sudden it's coming back the other way. And now you you get into the wrong body position. You're you're not in the right place defensively. And now you start running around trying to make up for the mistakes. And when you start running around, you start doing other guys' jobs. And that's what we saw on the goal is Nugent Hopkins, I believe Giroux was his man. And Nugent Hopkins was way down low. The puck pa- p- bounces past him. And Giroux, I mean, again, luck was on the side of the flyer. Hits it out of midair bats it in and goes through the the goaltender Gustafson. So you start you start running around and that's what happened on that goal and there was a panic. And it was when that line was out there, there was panic in the game. When the other line was out there dry side or when McDavid was out there, they didn't have the panic. They felt good about themselves. But the momentum swings were just huge in this hockey game. All right, so 6-5 for Philly. That means a $125 donation from Booster Juice to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. They give $25 for every Oilers goal this season. The total for the year, $2,150. You can follow that on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. It's 821 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, and we have Mark on line four. Hi, Mark. How's it going, guys? We're doing well. I'm kind of surprised that this hasn't been brought up, so I'm going to. Um, (laughs) Coaching staff was dead from the neck up. What coaching staff doesn't remove a goaltender with three goals in a minute 12? My son played junior, and I pulled him and coached him, and he was gone after two. Three in a minute 12, and he's still there, and he didn't call a timeout. 
Well, I think I, I mean I know Bob and uh, Bob and Jack referenced Talbot not skating the last couple of days, so maybe he could be sick. I mean, there is okay. a bit of an illness on the team. If, I, you know, I'm not with the team, obviously, but Bob's yeah. referenced that, so but, that could be one reason. And you also you say they should have called a timeout after the three goals. The Oilers scored the next goal after that without the yeah, timeout. Yeah, but that was well after the third. Like, it, yeah, but it, it would you have called sense not to you do one or the other? Like, yeah. D- I mean, after he got the three goals, that was it. I mean, the, the, it started going the other way. Any 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 goaltender that allows three in a minute 12, sorry, is gone. Which comes to the next thing. Uh, he's called the monster for a reason. He's scary. It came back. Okay, he, it came back. He's a relic from the 80s. And why we don't have Brassois up here instead of him, I don't know. Because Brassois last year, when he played up here an extended time, was not good. Well, I don't know what he's play, what he's playing like, but it can't be like. I, I, well, I mean, up until playing, to, we've reseen we've reseen the monster. Yeah, but up until tonight, this is his first bad game. Yeah. Well, no, no, I'm not yeah. saying. So, and Brassois, he had number ten. Before Brassois was supposed to be the backup this year. That's yeah. what they wanted. That was their entire plan. No, I, I don't. They didn't before, want it. Before no, going last year. year. Last year. During no, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. Last year, my their plan would have been for Brassois to be the guy this year, and they gave him extended chances last year, and he could not play. That's why they had to get a backup goalie because I, Laurent yeah, wasn't good know. enough last year. I still think they would have put preferred him in the minors this year. Uh, I don't know if he would have played like they thought he could. Then I think they would have liked to have had him as their starter or their backup up here this year. But he was he was not good. He really struggled. That's why they had to go out and get a goaltender to be a backup. And that's why Gustafson's here. Yeah, yeah. Well, but he didn't he didn't make a save tonight, Mark. You're right. Oh, I mean, I don't know if Mason really did either. But <laughs> no, the, he's but, entertaining to watch. But like I said, he's a relic from the '80s. It's it's he, he's got the name the monster for a reason. <laughs> Thanks for calling, man. We appreciate it. Philly wins six five. Uh, Laurent Brassois on the weekend. Uh, I didn't check check his stats from yesterday's game. Uh, he had back to back shutouts on the weekend. He is doing really well. Again, the debate is: Do you bring Brassois up here to play every sixth game, or seventh game, or you know they, he's playing in the minors now? Maybe Gustafson won't be the solution. You're absolutely right. Well, he probably he probably isn't. He, he's a stopgap, is what he sure. is. He's and up until today, he'd been fine. He'd been very fine, and he'd been. There was people wondering if he should be playing more. We get a number of phone calls saying Talbot looks tired. They got to play Gustafson more, and Gustafson has a an off night, and now it's the opposite. All right. Uh, we have John on the line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hello, John. Hi. 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 Uh, going back to the Brassois conversation, I think uh, they should at least give the kid a chance. Like he 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 should be called up. I think. Yeah, but up until today, why would you call him up? Well, you look at the shaky goaltenders in the league; you just never know. Well, yeah. he, he 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 might get he, he might get called up at some point this year. What else is on your mind? I, I just think you know, Gustafson. He had all these chances, like all these goals that have been scored on him tonight. Like how how do you let in six goals like that beyond the defensive, you know, core just kind of breaking down like that, especially with. You know, um, you look at uh, uh, Chris Russell, like in the beginning of the third period, takes a bad penalty, you know. Well, and it wasn't even the penalty he should have been called for. He cross-checked the guy and got away with it, and then the other ref called him for holding. Yeah, the yeah, holding was a penalty. He should have been in the box. He should have been in the box, but yeah. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, thanks for calling, John. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. It was. I, I, I hesitate to call this a goaltending loss, but I also recognize the goaltending didn't help because that's like I've said before. There's a reason they're called saves. Yes, you're not going to play an airtight defensive game and never give up well, a dangerous shot. The the winning goaltender wasn't very good. <laughs> so I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to be calling it about him, but Mason wasn't good at all. So. It was an off night for for both goaltenders, and unfortunately for the Oilers, they made one more big mistake. And having said that, maybe instead of one more big mistake, maybe the Philadelphia Flyers made one more big play. And the winning goal, Clefbaum got beat, but what an incredible play by Raffle to come in one-on-one and turned Clefbaum inside out and then scored the goal. So maybe it wasn't the Oilers made one more big mistake. Maybe the Flyers just made one more big play in a game filled with a bunch of big plays and uh, changes in momentum. All right, we have Will on the line as well. Will, thanks for calling. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, just a comment on uh, the game tonight. Uh, as a team, I guess when the weaker goalies in net, uh, the team has to play a bit better defensively to help them out, I guess. And the notice time and again, the forwards always watching the puck in our own zone rather than turning around and watching the, the guy coming in or the high guy coming in and it seems like it, it's always costing us so far in, in this quarter of the game and I'm just wondering if the, the coaches ever point that out. Well, I'm certain the coaches pointed out. There's a, there's a saying in hockey, head on a swivel which means you're always moving your head, trying, okay, I'm looking at the puck now, where's my guy? Looking at the puck, where's my guy? You never get focused on one or the other. If you've just focused on your guy, well, the guy with the puck, if he beats his man, now he's gone straight to the net because you can't help out. If you focus just on the puck, now all of a sudden your guy jumps into an area, you don't know he's there, he gets the puck and it's a goal. So the others got caught a few times tonight staring at the puck, no head on a swivel, and they got and they paid for it. They sure did. 6-5 Philly wins. The Oilers dropped to 14-11-4 on the season, so they've played 29 games. They've won 14. That's the first time all season their win total is less than 50% of their games played. And we know that if you can win 41 or more, you have a good chance of uh, making the playoffs. Troy, Brian, Ron, and two gentlemen named Mike are up next on the open line. We'll bring you post-game reaction from Philly as well. The Flyers win their seventh straight, coming from behind to beat the Oilers 6-5. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Clear ahead for Wayne Simmons. Back to Connecty. Walks in left-hand side. Centers open man. Shot denied against Braden Shen by Jonas Gustafson. Another great save. Well, we're able to find a save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Despite there being 11 goals tonight, the Flyers win it 6-5 over the Oilers. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. In about uh, a couple of minutes, you're going to hear from Connor McDavid, his post-game reaction. Apparently, he offers an explanation on the uh, animosity between him and Brandon Manning. But first, we have our Finish the Play contestant, Troy, who is going to start with his thoughts on the game. Go ahead, Troy. Well, I have to say, you guys analyzed the game properly. It was exactly like uh, Rob said. It was an exciting game, and if it went the Oilers' way, everyone would have been happy. But it did. 
it, it's sad to say that we lost the game. We should have won that game very easily. I think my question is, I know when I played hockey, played double A and triple A and all that kind of stuff, I really think they have to sit down Clefbaum, and I know it's tough to do, but I think Hopkins and uh, Clefbaum should be sat for next game. The problem is well, there's they're so injury-depleted on defense that if they were to sit out Clefbaum, then Dylan Simpson, who played seven minutes tonight, would have to play upwards of 13 to 14 minutes, and then you'd have David Masuel in the in the lineup as well. Who I don't know, is he, he's got what one or two games in his couple of years ago. Couple he of years ago, game. so he hasn't played in the NHL in a couple of years. So now all of a sudden, three of your defense would be Musil, Simpson, and Benning, who have a combined 12 games in the NHL. So that's the problem. You don't you don't have the luxury of sitting down Clefbaum right now. You can reduce his minutes. But you can't okay. sit him down. And RNH again, pulling R. I mean, RNH is not the same player right now, and they got to find a way to get him back. And I don't know if sitting him out, if if talking to him. Uh, I know that they've tried by giving him a different role on the team by making him the defensive center against the other team's top lines. I'm not sure what they have to do to get him back, but he needs to be back. This team is not good enough to have their second line be a line that goes minus two, minus three, and still win hockey games. Troy, you're going to finish the play tonight. You can qualify for the grand prize draw, $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Here we go. To Provorov. He'll send it down low in front. Wide open. All right, Troy, is that a save by Gustafson or a shot off the post? That was off the post. To Provorov. He'll send it down low in front. Wide open. And Vandevelde stopped by Gustafson off. Oh, okay, bummer, Troy. It was a save by uh, Gustafson. Michael Raffle hit the post in the... uh, first period. That was, oh, there we go. That was a really hard one. That was a hard one. Well, so they can't all be easy. I had an easy <laughs> trivia question before the game. Tell you what, Mike's up next on the phone line, but let's go back to Philly and here is the Oilers captain, well, Connor McDavid. They weren't going to go down without a fight. Just what can you say about the way that one went down? Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, you know, two goals in the third period, that should be a lock every time, so um, something we definitely need to figure out. That's two straight games now where you look like you had the games won Buffalo too. So are you letting off the gas a little bit tonight? Were you? You know what? I'm not too sure what it is, but I think uh, we'll figure it out. When they made the early rush, you answered back with a shorthanded goal against the momentum going into that third period. What, if anything, kind of changed after that point when they went up 5-3? to three? Uh, I'm not too sure what it is, like I said before. Um, you know, definitely something we need to figure out real fast here. Is it just a matter of just trying, guys just coming, trying to come together right now at this point, or is it just that you can see, they can tell that the, maybe there's some, still some things still not gelling yet with this team still? Or I think it's a group that, that you know, we're still trying to learn how to win games. Um, you know, we did a good job about it early, and um, there's definitely a, a certain talent to being able to win games and, and close them out, and um, I think maybe we're still trying to figure that, that part out. Words for Manning. You didn't like the hit last year, or, or just the stuff earlier in the first period? Uh, you know what? Um, you know, I, I did all I could defending him last year in the media. Um, you know, everyone wanted to make a big deal saying he did it on purpose, and you know he wanted to say some comments today about um, you know what what went on last year, and, and um, you know I thought it was one of the 
you know, classless things I've ever I've ever seen on the ice. So, you know, he said uh, he said some things, and and um, you know, our guys responded accordingly. And um, you know, I guess uh, we can put the whole if he did it to, on purpose thing to rest because uh, you know what he said out there kind of confirmed that. So, you know, shows what kind of guy he is when he doesn't step up and and fight some of our guys. So, what happened last year? He brought that up tonight. Uh, I'm not going to touch too much on it. Okay. Um. Well, I think he touched quite a bit on it. Uh, <laughs> that pretty much clarified some stuff. Uh, uh, I mean, look, the, the play last year uh, was, uh, you know, Manning taking McDavid out. Certainly McDavid was off balance on the play. Manning, there was another player there at the time too, kind of piled on top. McDavid breaks the collarbone. McDavid publicly said that there was nothing malicious to the play. He was taking the puck to the net. Guys go barreling into the boards all the time. Now today, I guess, apparently Brandon Manning chirping McDavid on the ice says, uh, I meant to do that. I don't know how you can specifically say you're going to break someone's collarbone, but you can say I meant to, to pile on you and didn't care if I hurt you. Well, it's one of two things. It's either, yes, it was intentional last year, or two, he's just using that right now to say, hey, you know what, I tried to do that last year. Not whether it was true or not, but just to get under Connor's skin and to be more or less a... Uh, a goof and I'm trying to think of what word I'm allowed to say on radio but I mean it, it because he says he did it on purpose does not mean he did do it on purpose but the fact that he claimed he did it on purpose and a player was injured in it is classless I mean I think Connor McDavid was uh, in the right by calling him classless because this is a guy's livelihood and if someone gets hurt and I've played against guys that have gotten hurt on the other team, and you feel for them. You're on the bench, and you're watching that guy be helped off the ice. I mean, you f- you feel for that guy because you could be in that situation. You never, ever want to see someone get hurt, and you certainly don't ever want to be the, the, the cause of someone else getting hurt. And then to mock someone about it, that's wrong. 6-5, the Flyers beat the Oilers tonight. We have Mike on the line, 780-496-0063. Hello, Mike. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Ooh, that was a good comp by McDavid there. But anyways, I wasn't going to turn you guys on tonight because I knew exactly what I was going to hear. It was from the same thing you hear from 2002 to 2011 where everything was uh, always Ricky Ray's fault. So I knew I was going to turn on the radio, <laughs> but I did anyways. And I knew everyone was going to jump on Gustafson, even though he played solid in every other game. And our defense was horrible tonight. You can't put all this on Gustafson. Every fan is... It's almost like the fans who watch one game a year seem to call in. I don't get it. It just drives me nuts. Well, Mike, I don't know if you heard what I said earlier. I, I don't think this was a goaltending loss, but I, no. I still wish he would have made a save. Like, there's a reason <laughs> yeah. they're, they're called saves. You know, it would have been exactly. nice. To... He, he didn't have a great game, and he played bad, but to call up Brassois, like, are you out of your mind? Well, I mean, going what? into tonight's game, uh, and it's a different sample size, but Gustafson had a better goals against average. He had a better save percentage. He had a very good save percentage in, in the National Hockey League. Now, that was only in the three games he played, but that's all he'd be given. And he given. had a very solid first period tonight. Yeah, yeah, it just, and then... It, it, two, two periods, and the defense fell apart. Clefbaum, uh, man, that was, that was greasy on him, but, you know... I just think, can everyone just settle down on the goalie? We're, we're getting better. We're, we're just, instead of making those, instead of losing 6 nothing, we're making little mistakes at the end of games to lose games. And soon we're going to clean that up, and we'll be in the cup finals in two years. I'm out. All right, well. <laughs> he dropped the mic. Did he you see that? He mic. dropped That's the mic. Cool. Yeah, I mean, this is a tough one. I mean, I, 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 I never tell fans how to feel. I, like, I, I don't look at this and 
say, well, at least they scored five. I mean, they lost. The game was there to win. Regardless of whether they were up 2-0 or not, they were up 5-3 with 15 minutes to go. You should win. If you blow the lead, you should get a point. I, I, don't, I don't think this is by any means a good game for the Oilers. Um, but as you've referenced, Rob, they, they are in every game. I mean, they, they have blown out by Buffalo the first time, and they had a pretty bad night against the Toronto Maple Leafs where they were never really in the game. Now, having said that, you still have to figure out how to win close games. Mm-hmm. They were doing it earlier in the season lately they're more often not doing it. I, I just honestly think they're they're where they belong in, in the National Hockey League. I think they're a team that is good enough to compete on any given night against anybody. I think they're a good bounce or a big save away from winning every hockey game. But they're also a team that doesn't if it doesn't get the save or if it doesn't get the bounce they can lose i think they're just they're a competitive hockey club i i think there's there's about six or seven or maybe eight elite teams in the league i think there's about five or six poor teams in the league and then everyone else is the same and i think you're seeing that in the standings i mean if the oilers lose two games they could fall right out of the playoff spot they win two games they could be first place in their division that's how close this group is and everything that you saw that the oilers do tonight the mistakes the the goaltending the the defensive lapses you could turn on a Calgary Flame game and see that. You can turn on uh, an LA King game and see that. You can turn on just about any team around the league and they have the exact same type of problems that the Oilers have because there are the Oilers are not an elite team yet. They are a team that is boxed in and grouped in with a bunch of other teams. If you just look at uh, just look at points percentage, so the percentage of yep. points available that the Oilers have earned, they're uh, 17th in the league at 552. There are 15 teams between 500 and 600. Yeah. They, so again, that's two losses, two wins. So I think they are right where be, they are. Yeah. I mean, now the thing is, the thing that worries me, Rob, is they won seven of their first eight. That was great. Mm-hmm. You need a burst to make the playoffs yep. or stay in it. They've only won seven of their last 21 games. Mm-hmm. Like, that's last two years material, unfortunately. But they're getting points. That's not last two years material, right? So they're they're seven, lose their points. maybe seven, eleven, and three, I guess, and that's so match. yeah. So seven, they're getting seven, ten, and four. I suppose. So that's four loser points, which I mean, they weren't getting those, and they're not getting blown out. They need another little streak again. I mean, this is a team that I didn't think was capable of making the playoffs. They got off to a good start to the beginning of the season. That maybe you know what? Oh God, this could be the year. Maybe they're going to turn around. Other teams have had injury problems. Maybe those injuries are going to allow like a Jonathan Quick not playing in L.A. Maybe that allows the others to get in. But having said that, there's things that need to be better here in Edmonton if they want to make that jump to be a playoff team. Your Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard, Flames and Coyotes 1-1 in the second period. Hurricanes and Kings just getting underway. Colorado wins 4-2 in Boston. Dallas handling the Predators tonight 5-1 after 2. Islanders beat the Blues 3-2. Canadians over the Devils 5-2. The Canucks win 5-1 in Tampa Bay. The Penguins win 5-1 over the Panthers. And uh, the Rangers win 2-1 at Winnipeg. Winnipeg's going to be here on Sunday to play the Oilers. We have Ron on the line. Hi, Ron. Hi. Are you... Hi. Hey, Reed and Rob. Thanks for taking my call. I'm a first-time caller here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so a uh, quick comment and then a question. I'm actually pretty happy with our goaltending situation and, and even the defense, too. I know tonight was a pretty bad performance, but oh, these injuries to Davidson and Nurse and even Mark Fain, you know, that's not obviously helping. And but you got Eberly, you got Puglia, you got Nuge. They're all massively underperforming this year to the tune of about $16 million salary. Maybe throw in Matt Hendricks, call it $18 million or so. So really my question is, 
with the trade deadline coming up in just a couple of months, I wanted to get your thoughts on how do you think Peter Chiarelli, you know, could better redistribute the salary cap and make this team better? Oh, man. Well, a lot's going to – I mean, it's end of February, right? So we're yep. two and a half months away. It's going to depend on where they are in the standings, Ron. I mean, if we've talked about if they're hanging around – Rob and I have talked about, do you try to get uh, depth, you know, another center like Hansel? Do you try to get redeemed Verbata? Somebody, some people have writ, written in about Thomas Vanek, who I don't think is consistently competitive enough. Um, but if the, if the call, are you talking about how are they going to move players in that 18 million you're talking about? Yeah. Well, I, that's, that's next to impossible. You've got, you've got a couple guys that are making $6 million a year. They're not guys that get traded at the trade deadline. In season would be tough. Yeah, that, that's tough because if, if for them, with they got term and they got price. You've got to, people got to move things around on their team to be able to take someone else's big salary on. Pouliot's got two more years left. Eberle and Nuge, what, two, three more years left on their contracts. Those are big contracts that will I do not believe will be moved at all during the season. What they need is those guys with the big contracts is start playing to the potential and playing up to the, the, the bar that we expect them to be. And if they do that, well, then everything works out well. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three raffle with a minute twenty nine left. The Flyers stun the Oilers six five. If you're on hold, stay there. Coach McClellan coming up as well. It's Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from this the Terry Crowley Team Broadcast and spin to win a remote starter, iPad, snowblower, or a trip to Vegas. Your next number one pick is at City Ford on the St. Albert Trail. Snowmobilers, are you ready for what's next? Every winter, Ski-Doo and Echo Marine and Power Sports push snowmobiling forward. Ski-Doo's Summit Sleds feature lightweight and powerful Rotax E-Tech engines, agile REV chassis, and specialized powder riding features. During a winter celebration, get your next Summit Sled with no down payment, no payment for 12 months, plus up to $2,000 on select 2016 models. Visit Echo Marine and Power Sports in Alberta Beach to find your ride today. Ski-Doo, what matters is what's next. Restrictions apply. Offer ends January 6, 2017. See dealer for details. GCL Diesel has been serving oil country since 1972. From diesel cars to SUVs to pickups. From farm tractors to school buses to a big rig. From diesel generators to forklifts, GCL can test, troubleshoot, and repair all diesel fuel system components. Whether it's injectors, pumps, turbos, filters, or additive, GCL has the parts you need to keep your diesel running the way it should. For genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices, visit GCL Diesel in the West End or online at GCLDiesel.com. GCL Diesel. Diesel understood. They've been doing it right for 45 years. Mr. Allen Auctions is having a huge industrial auction Thursday, December 15th. Mr. Allen brings thousands of buyers and sellers to one location. Bid on a large selection of industrial machinery and equipment, including highway tractors, picker trucks, flat deck and service body trucks, wheel loaders, skid steers, worksite trailers, and more. Preview and bid on items on site or online at maauctions.com. Sale time is Thursday, December 15th at 9 a.m. Mr. Allen Auctions in Atchison. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter at Mr. Allen and visit maauctions.com. At Integra Tire, integrity is about following through on promises. And you can discover integrity at your local Integra Tire with great service and advice on winter tires. From now until December 15th, get a $70 Bridgestone Visa prepaid card by mail when you buy a set of four Bridgestone Blizzak winter tires. Prepaid card is issued by People's Trust Company. Card expires. Offering card are subject to terms, conditions, and limitations. To find a dealer and play our Discover Integrity sweepstakes, visit IntegraTire.com. Integra Tire. Everything we do, we do with integrity. 
live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The official NHL stat sheet has the giveaways in this game at 12 apiece. I would suggest it might be closer to 35 or 40 apiece. And in the end, the Flyers are able to convert one more of those into a goal than the Oilers were. 6-5 is the final. The Oilers twice blew two goal leads. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. We have Coach McClellan coming right up. But first, Mike on line six. Hi, Mike. Hey, guys. How you doing? Yeah, we're doing pretty good. That's good. That's good. You know, I, uh, I'm i kind of one of the lucky ones that work here. I got a TV planted right in front of my face outside my office, so I get a chance to look up and and listen in the background of the game. Um, you know... I, you know, I have to I have to echo Mike a little bit from earlier. I just don't understand. You know, we talk about Gustafson, how, you know, he, I think he's played well from the most part in the comments that you guys make. I mean, he's had a good, you know, backup role so far this season. Um, he has an off night, but there's a lot of deficiencies, I think, defensively, you know, as a, as a collective unit that contribute to that. And, and it's just it's frustrating to hear all the comments after a bad outing um, not only by the goalie, but it's just, I just—I think there's a lot more to it than that. Well, you're right. Uh, the goaltender usually takes the blame when a goal goes in, but there's been mistakes made before that, and there was a ton of mistakes made by the others. We talked about it: Nugent Hopkins not getting pucks out, turning the pucks over; Maroon not getting them out; Clefbaum getting uh, beat wide on the winning goal; guys behind the net or the puck behind the net and guys staring at the puck. So there was a, a ton of mistakes, and it was both ways. And we were just talking off air, but Philadelphia Flyers defense wasn't much better tonight. There are some horrible giveaways on their part as well, but they kind of get forgotten when they get two points, forgotten by everybody but the coaching staffs who, uh, win or lose, are going to have a ton of stuff to be able to put out there tonight. But, yeah, it was it was an ugly game. And as we were saying, Reid, the ugly games, the mistake-filled games, most nights are the most exciting games. Yeah, because they're unpredictable. It's unpred- it's, it was like watching junior hockey. Because anything can happen, and nowadays you get the the two one or the three two game where it's there's very few mistakes. Like the Minnesota made. game, yeah, you kind of knew early in the second period it was going to go to overtime one one. Yeah, you know, just and that's did. and it did. This tonight was way more exciting a game to watch, way more entertaining to watch. But a lot of that had to do with the the teams making the mistakes that they made. Mike, thanks for calling. We're going to have Gary next on the phone line. But back to Philadelphia. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Heading into this game, uh, you knew they weren't going to go down without a fight. But just how did you see that one unfold tonight? Well, the wrong way, obviously. Um, I thought we knew what we were getting into with a very good offensive team. And um, for... Fractions of the game, we played it properly, and then uh, for the rest of it, we tried to open it up, and obviously they got the better of us. Um, you know, team-wise, I'm not sure that we were really weak. I thought individually we had some very, very poor performances by uh, four or five individuals tonight. Turnovers and opportunities to uh, to execute and get things done, and they didn't. And um, you know, that was really disappointing. The old cliche of uh, win as a team and lose as a team is certainly in effect, but. Um, you know, when you narrow it down to uh, to individuals, that's disappointing. They, uh, you guys were up three one, and then Nuge and Leon had a shorthanded thing. You got up four one, but Nuge didn't get the puck. I was watching that. No, we had we had a number of leads in the game, and um, you know, one of the things we didn't want to do was put them on the power play. 
and we put them on the power play continually. Um, so whether they score or not, and I thought our penalty killers did a tremendous job, they gain a lot of momentum and energy and, and belief off of that. So uh, the penalties were bad. We had a couple opportunities shorthanded where we didn't score, uh, which we can live with. We're not, uh, we're not out there to score goals. We're out there to, to kill the penalties. But um, they always found a way to get back in to recapture momentum. And um, when the clock ran down, obviously we're on the wrong end of it. 6-5 Flyers win it. He's talking about special teams there. The Oilers went 2-for-4 on the power play. Philly was 1-for-5. They allowed a shorthanded goal. They scored another goal 8 seconds after Matt Hendricks got out of the penalty box. But uh, point well taken there, what Todd McClellan is saying, and we talked about before the game, Rob, just simply stay out of the box. I mean, yes, he played hooks a guy's stick, that guy wasn't going to score from where he is. Uh, Yessi Pugliarvi holds a guy deep in the offensive end. Um, You know, Chris Russell got a holding penalty, but he should have got a cross-checking penalty. And and I mean, none of those were, okay, if I didn't do it, the guy was going to score. You're right. In... When you're playing against a team as, as as deadly on the power play as Philadelphia, you have to play the smart game. And the Oilers uh, didn't, in a lot of ways, they didn't play smart when they took penalties, and they didn't play smart, obviously, when they were turning the puck over. But I, I think McClellan said it best was it wasn't a bad team game. There were some individual players that really struggled, and unfortunately for the Oilers, their struggles resulted in a number of golden chances that Philadelphia capitalized on. 6-5, the Flyers take it. Gary is our next caller. We also have Lance and Norm standing by. You're all getting on. we got a break for the 9 o'clock news. Uh, don't forget, we have another broadcast tomorrow, 4.30 face-off show, 6 o'clock puck drop as the Oilers finish up this three-game road trip against the Minnesota Wild. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, the Oilers let one slip away not once but twice. They had a 2-0 lead in the second period. Philly scored three times in a minute 12. It was a night where the Edmonton Oilers just could not afford or could not hang on to a lead. Every time they, they got the lead, all of a sudden here come the Philadelphia Flyers, and you cannot give up two goal leads on the road and expect to come away with two points, let alone find a way to come back with just one point. It was a, it was a rough night. It was a rough night for the Oilers, and a, as Todd McCollin said, a rough night for a couple individuals on the Edmonton Oilers. You know, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 29% in the face-off circle. Connor McDavid, 18% in the face-off circle. Now, the expectations are a little different for a younger player like McDavid, though mm-hmm. 18's pretty low. But, I mean, you know, the face-offs are funny because a guy's 52% in his career and he's a face-off genius and he's 48 and you say he's not very good. But, I mean, we've seen Latestu and Drysdale have bad nights, but they bounce back. You know, Latestu right at 50 tonight. Dry settle at 64. Most of their games have been over 50. And they've had a couple games where they've dominated. Oh. But Nugent Hopkins, especially, is under 40 almost every game. And which hurts more for Nugent Hopkins is he's going head to head against the best players on the other team. And tonight, going ahead, Claude Giroux was almost 80% tonight in faceoffs. So that means the Philadelphia Flyers' best players. 80% of the time started with the puck on their sticks. And that's a recipe for disaster. I mean, it's it's a hard enough defending a team 
when you, you know you're going 50-50 with them, but when they start with the puck every time. It's like, all right, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to check Connor McDavid. Tell you what, we're going to give him the puck to start with. Right. Now let's not let him score. And that's what you're doing with Voracek and, and Giroux. You're saying, all right, they are a very good team. We're going to chuck them. We're not going to let them score. But, you know, we'll let them start with the puck over and over. And good players, and good players that win face-offs have face-off plays. So they have set plays in the offensive zone. They have set plays in the neutral zone. they got set plays even in their own zone to get out of their zone a lot easier. So it, it, that's why it's so much more noticeable when Nugent Hopkins isn't winning face-offs because he's going against the other team's top line, and that top line has the puck majority of the time to start the shift. We have Gary on the line. Gary, thanks for calling. Good evening, gentlemen. Season uh, greetings to you once again. Thank you. Wow. Scratching your head, order fan, man. <laughs> this is unbelievable. If you... If I didn't watch or listen to the game and someone had told me that the Oilers had two, uh, two power play goals out of four opportunities and had uh, a shorthanded goal, you think they win this game. And uh, it's just incredible, unbelievable head-scratcher. Um, I mentioned this earlier calls I made. Too many mistakes, too many turnovers, not swivel in the head, not communicating, and this is costing them uh, games and points. And... Uh, you know, they had a 2 nothing lead. That was the plus going into the second period. You, you figured that they find a way to close it out. And they find a way to lose this game. Um, the only good thing about it is Connor McDavid continues on with his points for the season. He got his first power play goal this season. Um, Leon was that, great. Uh, the guys have to pick it up. And the goaltending, well, yeah, off, off night for, for the monster there. But I think you got to blame the rest of the team, too, with the turnovers. And you can't leave a goalie hanging dry like that. And just that we made more mistakes, one extra mistake that caused them to score the winning goal and was hoping to go into overtime to at least get one point, hopefully hoping for two. But this, you just have to get, get together and move on to Minnesota now. That's all you can do, right? And my question is, uh, how did you find Dylan Simpson's game tonight? Thank, minus. Thanks, Gary. Honestly... Okay. I mean, he only played just over seven minutes. Um, I didn't really notice him, which is probably a good thing. It means he didn't do anything wrong on the ice. Uh, he was fine. Um, I imagine we'll be seeing him again next game. Maybe he'll get more ice time in the next game as the players will probably be a little tired going back to back. But he was fine. No, the one thing here too, Reed, that it's kind of neat. There's a lot of frustration from the fans because they, they, they blew a game in Philadelphia. They lost the game. Philadelphia, going into the game, had a better record than the others. They were higher than them in the standings. They're playing on home ice. They've won five straight games. They're as hot as any team in the league. Their goalie was just player of the week after four ended up being five straight wins. And the Oilers fans are frustrated that the Oilers should have won this game. Now, it's good because the Oilers fans are expecting more out of their team. But Philadelphia should have been favored in this team. This is a this is a game that Philadelphia should win. They're playing on home ice against a, a team that's on the road that has uh, blown a game just recently that's not playing as well as they had expected. This is a game the Philadelphia Flyers would have been disappointed at the end of the night had they not got two points. We have Lance on the line as well. Lance, thank you for calling. Hey, how's it going? Doing great. Good. Uh, my question is, what do you guys figure about their confidence? Their confidence in the beginning of the year was, like, unbelievable. They had confidence, and now that just went right down to hell. So what is your... Because everybody sits here and, like, nitpicks at everybody. Oh, this, this, and this, and that. And it's just... 
I see. I think that it's their, just their confidence that has gone downhill since they started that roller coaster ordeal like they have for the last few years. Yeah, that's a good question, Lance, for sure. I mean, Rob, before I let you jump in, the play by Oscar Clefbaum on Raffles winning goal to me did not look like a confident defender. No, no, it didn't. I, I think the team confidence is probably. As a team, if like if a, if a team had a heartbeat and had a brain, and it would probably be, ooh, you know what? Things aren't going like we thought. We can still do it. It's okay. I think certain players' confidence is sky high. I think Connor McDavid feels every time he steps on the ice, he's going to score. I think Leon Draisaitl's confidence is fantastic. Matthew Benning, uh, Russell, Sekera. I think their confidence is high. But you've got a bunch of players. Who's con- like Pouliot? I don't think he has any confidence in his game right now. Uh, he's gotten away from the the aggressive forechecking because now he's fearful of the dumb penalty because nothing else is going for him. Nugent Hopkins, a shell of himself. Clefbaum doesn't look good. Eberle has not looked like the normal Jordan Eberle. Although tonight I thought he looked good for the for the couple periods. So I don't know. I think as a whole, as a team, the confidence is just eh. But there's certain players on this team that have no confidence at all in their game right now, and it shows in their play. Yeah, I mean, if you missed Coach McClellan's comments, he said that he thought it was an okay team game, but there are four or five individuals who really stunk it up and, and that their mistakes kept costing them tonight. And that's interesting. I mean, it, it's a, it is a weird game to talk about because, as we've said n- numerous times, it was so sloppy. Um, I mean, it was 5-5. Philly had all the momentum. I can't remember which forward it was. Had actually skated the puck out of his zone after the Oilers had a bit of pressure and he dropped a blind drop pass back into his own end that gave the Oilers a chance and the Oilers didn't have to worry about being up offside because the Philly guy shot it back in himself. Pouliot's goal, granted from a point A position, was not a hard nor an accurate shot and it appeared to go through Mason's leg like a ghost. I mean, it was it was just a... a Dryside is goal. I mean, it was a good play by Dryside, but it looked like it went five-hole. It wasn't a bomb as well. So, the, I mean, it, it, it was a game uh, that looked like they... Both teams had stars that were fantastic, and both, team had, both teams had players that looked starstruck on the ice. And unfortunately for the Oilers... The last big play was made by the Philadelphia Flyers, and an unbelievable play if you're a Philadelphia fan, and a horrendous play if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan. It, it, I mean, it's too bad the Oilers didn't win, well, for a number of reasons. But but I think we'd be talking more about Leon Draisaitl if they yes. won this game. I thought he was exceptional. Yeah, like in control, knew what he wanted to do, strong, right decisions. New one to pass, new one to shoot, like just a great game. And what I liked about his game too, whenever you get moved off, like he was on Connor McDavid's line, mm-hmm. and everything seemed to be going well. He gets moved off partway through last game. Now all of a sudden, now he's centering a line with two guys who have been healthy scratches. So you went from being a line mate of the best player in the world, having success, to a line mate with two guys who have been in the press box who the coach has absolutely no confidence in right now. And now he could have salt, Leon could have. He could have struggled, but he didn't. He got he was out there, and he was a man out there. Like he was incredible out there. So that's good on Leon Dreisaitl stepping up when the team needed him. We have Norm on the line. Norm, thanks for calling. Yeah, hey, guys. Uh, first, let me say, in my opinion, Rob Brown is the best hockey analyst that there is. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, you bet you, Rob. 
just a couple side notes uh, for Reed. I do believe that the finish of play was too difficult. <laughs> and uh, the trivia question, Tim Kerr wasn't as easy as you thought it was either. Oh, really? Okay. Well, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Um, couple things I think the Oilers need to fix. I mean, you were just talking about confidence there with Lance. Uh, I, I think it's beyond that. It's work 60 minutes. Just work it because they're getting beat by lesser teams because those lesser teams are outworking them. They're, they are hungrier and it's showing. And I, I don't know what this uh, cloak is on the Oilers that they just can't have that, that, that work ethic. And the second thing is hit the friggin' net. Like, these guys have been shooting that net since they were kids, and I can't believe how many times they miss it. It blows my mind. Yeah, that is frustrating sometimes, Norm. Thanks a lot for calling. Uh, what did they have, 13 misses both, tonight? Both, both teams missed both the teams net 13, 13 times. Misses, yeah. so. um, but point well taken when sometimes you think it's going to wind up uh, being a shot on goal and it sails wide. Depend- I mean, especially if you're right in front. It's tough. I mean, no player goes into a, a shooting position trying to, to miss the net. Now, obviously, uh, it's something they work on on a daily thing, and they you're right, the, the net hasn't moved. It's been in the same spot since the beginning of hockey time. So it, it's the, the some of the missed shots are from other teams getting good body position, good shooting lane position, and you're forced to shoot wide. And there's other times where you just... Uh, you, you fan, you fail. You just don't put it where, the, where you want it, and it gets frustrating when it's an important time or an, uh, would have been an important goal. All right, 780-496-0063. We do have to pause quickly here. The Flyers knock off the Oilers 6-5. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Live Center. from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio. 6.30, Chad. Thanks, Rob. I got a headphone that piece keeps falling off. Kind of could have, it could have played defense for the Oilers tonight. Maybe <laughs> six five. The Flyers take it, guys. Here's what's happening. We're winding down the show. We got four people on hold. I'm going to give you each about a minute if you can try to stick to that because I appreciate you took the time to uh, to call in. But we do have other shows uh, we got to get to as well. So the first minute goes to Mike from Ottawa. Boys, I'll be I'll be quick. Just finished watching the game PVR. Man, I'm frustrated. You know, because uh, you probably had an hour of calls going on about everything. For Connor McDavid's comments, um, feel bad for the guy, but at the same time, when I was young, I used to go to the bars, and uh, there was this girl that would always kind of be putting the moves on her and stuff. And she had a nickname Keg. I never knew why. I thought it was because she drank a lot of beer. But it turned <laughs> out, at the end of the night, it kind of hooked up, got a kiss, everything was good. But it turned out her nickname Keg was for Kiss Every Guy, K-E-G. Oh. <laughs> and so I, I learned, like, the kind of girls like that never change. It kind of taught me a life lesson with McDavid. Um, we, with Manning and stuff, I, I, it's hard for him to control his emotions based on all the injury, you know, recovery he had to do last year. But at the same time, you don't. You just have to look at our back door with Cassian and what he did with, with Godney back in the day. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a cold. Where he taunted him. And... Um, I think that uh, you know it's it's a growing thing for McDavid to learn that uh, that's going to happen on the ice, and you got to be prepared for that. And um, I don't think Manning meant to hurt him. And uh, what a frustrating game, though! Oh my God! And yep. the second thing is um, quickly, uh, I just wanted to say that uh, you know for Nuge and Ebbs, I wonder if maybe they're just kind of with McDavid taking the lead in the reins. That sometimes when you have like a team and then the leader goes out, the other guys step up to the plate, and because McDavid's the leader. 
those guys are kind of taking a back burner role. They need to step it up. They need to pretend that McDavid's not the leader. They need to be the leaders as well, just like what uh, McClellan said the other day. You can be the best player on the ice, and I think tonight Drysaddle was. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Yeah, good point, Mike. You're absolutely Quick. right. I mean, we see Leon Drysaddle doing that. We just we need Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Jordan Everly to do to follow suit. Jim, you get a minute here. Thank you. Yes. Uh, what do you think about uh, McClellan trying uh, Nugent uh, on the wing, uh, just like Julie there? Uh, I'm just wondering, uh, just to get him going or whatever. I mean, it doesn't hurt to. Uh, think out of the circle right no you're right I mean it's a possibility I know that at one point they talked about Drysaddle and Nugent Hopkins playing together and if you do that it makes more sense to have Drysaddle taking the face-offs because he's the better of the the two so it's a possibility I think they're they'll try just about anything to get Nugent going because they need him to be going he's a much better hockey player than we've seen as in the last few 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 games Robbie go ahead hey guys um just wondering who makes the decisions I'm putting putting and employing guys out of the lineup and kind of give me maybe one or two good reasons why Pitlick is not in when he's having such a good start to the year. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, the coaching staff will make the decision sometimes with input from the GM, depending uh, who the player is. Sometimes the GM will want to see a player in or will not want a player pulled out. But for the most part, it's the coaches. I can't give you any good reasons why Pitlick's not in the lineup. He would be in the lineup if I was coaching. And Lou, go ahead, Lou. Yeah, how are you doing, partners? Good. Uh, you guys do a great job. I I listen to you every night here, and I I, I just uh, and watch the games. The one thing that takes to be a good hockey player is a, a, a good work ethic. It takes some pride. These guys are making dough. They they've been playing hockey since they're six years old. They've got the best coaching in the world, and they got to get some pride when they go on the ice. Give it all you got. When you go to work, Reed, and your partner there, you do your job. You don't say, I haven't got enough confidence tonight or any of that BS. I really believe it boils down to these guys are all well-trained, well-skilled, well-paid, well-equipped, babied, and everything else. they gotta, they got to be men. Get out there and don't complain. Work. That's the name of, of winning hockey games. I played sports uh, close to Reed's hometown. I was raised at Edson. Oh, yeah. And we had senior hockey out there. If you didn't play your guts out in a hockey game, you would be ashamed to go downtown the next day because somebody could be on your butt. That's that's the name of the game. They, They got too many excuses. Thanks, Lou. Appreciate you calling, buddy. All right, it's 9.25. There's uh, additional post-game reaction on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Also, if you missed the McDavid, just the specific McDavid clip about Manning, that's on the Oilers page as well. And I also tweeted it out. You can follow me at Reed Wilkins. All right, final minute of the show, Rob. Well, you got to bounce back, and you got to bounce back in a hurry, and uh, this is going to be their fifth game in a week tomorrow. They're going to be tired, uh, but... When frustration starts to come in, when you're not happy with the way something ended, and the others certainly aren't going to be happy with the way the game ended tonight, you want to quickly get get back out and play again. You want want to make amends. And a road trip, any road trip that a team goes on, you want to be a 500 team on the road. That's all, all you talk about at the beginning of the season. If you're 500 on the road, you can be successful. The others go into Minnesota tomorrow night. If they win that game, 
they go one, one, and one on this road trip. It's a 500 road trip. That's something that should be stressed and will be stressed tomorrow in Minnesota. A big game tomorrow in Minnesota, a four-point conference game. 4.30 for the face-off show, 6 o'clock for the start of the game. We have it on 6.30, Chet. Thanks to our studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Flyers 6, Oilers 5 in a crazy one. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Perandis Team Broadcast Center. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.